Isms good, pal. I am festive. Good. Good to hear, man. It's mm-hmm. a festive time of year. It is a festive. It's the festive time At of year. At least you're not like a Grinch, man. Like, do you know any real life Grinches? Um, you know, just people that are just like, just straight up bah humbugging the heck out of life. I think. Oh my! I'm not putting that in there. <laughs> Welcome back, you filthy animals, to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. We are a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and we minor in retro video games, tabletop RPGs like Dungeons & Dragons, pre-internet mysteries, and trying to raise our kids to be half as cool as we all were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Bentz. That How's it about. going, pal? Oh, wow. We said that at the Ooh. same time. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do the Jinx thing over here in, in the States? Like Jinx, oh, yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, pinch, poke, you owe me a Coke, that stuff? Well, we would just say Jinx, you owe me a Coke. We don't okay. Dude, the rules have shifted <laughs> oh, like really? all over the place. Yeah, because Ooh. Woodrow and Jane do it. Yeah. But there's like all these new rules. And I was just like, guys, it was at the dinner table the other day. And I was like, guys, just because I don't understand the new rules. But it, it already shifted whenever I was a kid because at first it was just like jinx. Then someone had to say your name before you could talk again. Oh, that's the new one, yeah. And then there was also like, you know, jinx, oh man, you owe me a Coke. And mm-hmm. then it was pinch and poke, you owe me a Coke. And then it was, yeah, but if I beat you counting, f- f- you know, zero to 10, then that means I, you know, canceled out. It's, see, we're already getting into it here. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. I, I have heard of the, uh, you have to say your name, which... Amelia, my oldest, mm-hmm. sort of brought that into the into the house, but I don't know where the pinch, pinch, pinch and pull, pull. Boy, just having a tough <laughs> oh one today, huh? God. It's like whenever I, I don't say know like, where na- you're just like, like you, went, you went straight into hardcore Southern pneumonia. You're like, I don't know where pinch and puke <laughs> went to. Uh, you also said in scissors uh, in the last episode instead of incisors because you were referring to somebody's teeth. Mm. And uh, I don't Did know how many times. Oh yeah, what were we talking about? Why would we're I say talking about uh, Krampus. Ever heard of them? Yes. Well, I guess we'll save that for. I just wanted to point out that you you pronounced it in scissors, which is amazing. Anyway, that well, is amazing. No, no, no. Real quick, but but I did I did finish the movie. So, oh man, are we saving well, that for Patreon? Or? Only because like one of our listeners, and she knows exactly who she is, decided to message us and make fun of me nonstop about even liking that movie. And put me in the category of maybe Woody shouldn't uh, suggest Mm. movies anymore. So we'll talk about (laughs) that on the Patreon uh, because they're also patrons. And uh, yeah, but we are excited. We're in a festive mood, as Mm. I hope you are, listeners, Mm -hmm. because the time is almost here. We survived and we're still here because evidently we're doing something right because Krampus didn't take us away. Although, are we too old for that, I guess? Hmm. No, no way, okay. bro. Okay. Oh, you, wait, you mean like... Well, like I mean, like, you know, yeah, in other words, he's, he's not going to put me in a sack, you know? Hmm. I don't know. I'm unclear on that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we are feeling festive, and, you know, we talk about this on our Instagram page quite often, like Christmas movies, and we've had episodes where we talk about just some of our favorite Christmas movies in general, and I'm 100% positive that this movie 
landed on the list. Mm-hmm. I'm so freaking excited, dude. Yeah. To talk about one of our favorite Christmas movies mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. Home Alone. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I have a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home Alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and his elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Yes! Where are you, you little creep? I'm going to kill that kid! Why did you take your shoes off? Why are you dressed like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Home Alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Directed by Chris Columbus, coming November 16th. Before you get started, I want to say I think our listeners, because our listeners are typically a lot like we, a lot like us. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the reason that that is, is because it has to do with Chris Columbus, it has to do with John Hughes. It has to do with a John Williams soundtrack. You know, it's like all those kind of things. Even though, you know, it came out in 90, 99? Yeah, it was filmed in 89, so technically yeah, yeah. I like to consider it an 80s movie still. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even if it does technically, you know, land in the 90s, it it has like all of like the best things mm-hmm. that you would want in like an 80s movie. So, you know, I think I think that's probably why it resonated so much with uh, with you know, kids of our generation. Yeah. I mean, when I think about it, so when they were filming it and when it came out, I was basically the same age yep, same. as Kevin McAllister. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was always a movie that, you know, like you said, the folks, and we'll kind of, we're going to be diving deeper into the people that worked on the movie yeah. uh, and and why that's significant. But if you're a kid from the 80s and 90s, you, you know, you know those names and you recognize those names because they have since become household, you know, staples and, and household mm-hmm. names that you can recognize. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, some of them kind of worked on some of the other Christmas movies that we love. But there's a difference in Home Alone in comparison to Christmas Vacation. Or mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. of these mo- Christmas movies were kind of written 
yes, so the whole family could enjoy them, but they were written more for the adults right. to relate to. You know, I don't That's know. Point, yeah. Every year, you know, as our kids are getting older and stuff, I kind of noticed different things in these movies that I've been watching every single year mm-hmm. my entire yeah. life. And and so I can kind of relate to them a little bit differently. But that's something that I noticed. It's like Christmas Vacation. Certainly, It's a Wonderful Life. That is a movie that I didn't even see until I think like a year or two ago because Clay Same. was just persistent about yeah. me watching it. And I'm so glad I did. I loved it. But Yeah, me too. I, I, I didn't definitely see it last year. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have uh, appreciated it almost at all, I think. Mm-hmm. As a young, young kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember my mom, like, trying to get me to watch it. Yeah. And, yeah. like, grandparents. And I was just like, it's black and white. Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> no interest uh, at all. No interest. But, man, it's such a good movie now. as an adult. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. But Home Alone, immediately, right out of the gate, you, you could connect to it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think, like, oh, there's so much uh, about this movie that I love, man. I, in doing some of the the sort of background research about this movie, you know, things that maybe aren't so known, you know, by people that just casually watch it every year like myself, some of these things Mm -hmm. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I I did find a, I guess, corner of the universe that kind of hates this movie. And they... What? Really? Well, it's like, and I, I don't know, it's strange. It's like the generation between ours and our kids there's a lot of stuff that kind of yeah they watch this as a kid as well but they it's like they can't anyway they have they have thoughts about the family in general and and all that we can get to that in a minute but Mm -hmm. overall i think part of the main reason why i love this movie so much is for the first time it was a movie that to me was giving a christmas movie i should say that was giving you what you wanted at that age you know Mm -hmm. little things like oh man imagine being a nine-year-old again and how much mystery and wonder surrounded something as small as going to the grocery store and buying something oh yeah for your mom that was Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh i'm part of this huge world enterprise that is commerce you know (laughs) and i mean like it's just something little like that where in this movie that that writing mm-hmm. is just I don't know, man. It's just like it's one of those things where it got me immediately as a kid and I thought, oh man, and then and then like, yes, it's scary that he's gotta fight these burglars and, and come up, but it's also awesome because he's creating all these it's that same kind of thing that like those early Tim Burton movies and all that, like all the booby traps and contraptions and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Goonies, you know, Goonies, the way that they I was about to say, you know, yeah. open up the, the front gate and all that. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff as a kid, it was just like, oh, man, so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely, like, nails that that little period of, you know, like a little bit of independence. But, you know, you're still you're still really young and you still live with your, your parents. Like, I remember specifically, mm-hmm. like, when my mom would let me go, like, pay for the gas and like it was like such a big deal and you know you'd walk in like with your head held high like you know like i'm part of the (laughs) you know the capitalist machine Mm -hmm. and like you know like you know pulling out the money and like handing it to the the cashier it was just like 
was like, wow, I'm doing like this this thing that like adults do, mm-hmm. and and it was just like really special. And I, it's it's funny because that's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that the you know the little moment where he's like the lady's like questioning him and he's mm-hmm. like, where's he's your like, mom? Oh, they're doing this. They're, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know. Microwave dinner's any good? I don't know. I'll give him a whirl. Hold on, I got a coupon for that. It was in the paper this morning. 1983. Okay. Are you here all by yourself? Ma'am, I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Uh, I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that's one of my favorite. It's so funny. Well, I mean, it sounds like we're kind of getting into what I wanted to talk about just next, really. Other than, yes, it is a movie for me that I watch every single year. Oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes when it's not even Christmas, but it is an absolute staple in our house. Home Alone mm-hmm. 1 and Home Alone 2, we watch it, you know? Yep, same. But yeah, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes and moments. We already talked about the the shopping thing. There's just so many mm-hmm. that it would be almost impossible to list them all other than just, just like kind of hitting the play button right now and just right. kind of you guys listening to the entire movie. Yeah, There are a bunch of scenes, though, that kind of stand out that, I'm kind of going off the top of my head because I didn't write down any of the scenes. Um, <laughs> I didn't either. Well, I mean, just even even the beginning, you know, I love how it opens and it's got Joe Pesci, you know, in the cop uniform. He's just inside this house. Here's another yeah. thing I got to say quickly about this movie. This is a movie, and I'm so glad that these movies exist, but this is a movie that you you pop it into your VCR and it instantly takes you to real life 1990, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, there are a bunch of things, as I'm watching it with my kids, we, we just watched it over the weekend, we have to kind of point out, like, guys, you see like, how different this is now? So one of them being, like, all of a sudden this cop's just, like, in the foyer of this home. Yeah, it, it was weird, Who yeah. Kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, another scene that is sort of like, whoops, you can't do that now, or this is, you know, pre-9-11 airports. You know, they're just mm-hmm. running down. And we, we, my wife and I explained to our kids, you know, hey, back in the day, you could walk with your buddy or your family member all the way up into the terminal, hang out with them yeah. until it was time to go. I mean, heck, dude, we'd even sometimes just go to the airport, hang out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, watch the planes from inside the airport and stuff. So that different time is just super interesting to, to talk about with, with uh, you know, our kids, how different the world was you know, oh, back yeah. then. I mean, especially, I'll, I'll say, like, you know, growing up in, like, sort of rural South as a kid, the idea, even, even that intro was so weird to me because, like, you know, I mean, the only time you ever even, you know, w- would see a police officer would be, like, like a traffic stop or like maybe they came to the school to do Mm -hmm. some sort of presentation or whatever. But like Mm -hmm. the idea of like, you know, and I, it was just so different because like I didn't grow up in any sort of city or like suburb even. Right. Uh, And so the idea of like this, this like cop kind of going around and like standing in your living room was like, it was just so foreign to me as a kid. It was, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. And I mean, we can't go without talking about the house itself. Oh, yeah. Which is huge. And in that area of the Chicago suburbs, 
it's got to be, you know, well, can millions I, and millions. Can I give you a little, little background on that? Yeah. So the interesting thing about this, and hopefully this doesn't like uh, sort of demystify the way you look at the movie. To me, it, it kind of enriches it and makes it even cooler, is this idea that, so they found like the perfect house. And I totally agree. I think it is, it's so beautiful. It's so, it's so like, like 80s wealthy, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. There's yeah, just it's the, like they've got subway tile for yeah. the countertops. And like yeah. nowadays we're like, oof. Yeah. But that was like rich back then. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was like, like, yeah, that was the rich neighborhood. And I mean, even, even, you know, the wet bandits, they even say that like, oh, this is like the prime neighborhood, you know, to hit. But the interesting thing about this movie is that the the family that allowed them to film the house, all you're seeing is them filming the exterior of the house. Mm. There was there was any interior scene that you see is was literally filmed in the new Triest High School. Oh it's, yeah, this yeah. like abandoned high school. So like, well, and you know what abandoned high school it is, right? I sure do the uh, the Ferris Bueller's high school. That's right, man. Yep. How cool and, is and that? And Uncle Buck was filmed. A lot of stuff was filmed in there as well. Yeah, that's super cool. Like, every, it's just it's so bizarre to like think of that. Like, mm-hmm. but then it's interesting because when I found that out, like, you start noticing things like the house is everything is in this like red and green like color palette to mm-hmm. sort of emphasize that like Christmas kind of vibe, which is absolutely. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It really mm-hmm. is. Like, everything yeah. from the shirts that he wears, his scarf, his toboggan. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is, is like, to push this, like, idea of, like, Christmas. And so it's cool because they basically built all of that interior of a house in a gymnasium mm-hmm. in a man in high school. And they were able to, like, kind of build it from the ground up and, like, sort of incorporate those ideas, which I think are really cool. Another thing, another fun fact real quick is, you know, the very last scene where our favorite, the South Bend shovel slayer, yeah, uh, the, the old man, you know, when he comes in and like the, the house is like flooding. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They filmed that scene. They drained the water from the pool in that same high school mm-hmm. and built an entire soundstage in the pool to be able to get that whole like flooding effect. Wow. Which is amazing. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah, I love all that like, behind the scenes stuff sometimes you know it kind of it's it's interesting because something like that is hard to wrap your mind around like whenever you're a little oh, yeah. kid unless you like plan on becoming a uh, you know movie producer or something mm-hmm. it's like oh it's not real inside it's like for ghostbusters the interior of the library scene was actually filmed in you know like los angeles or whatever oh right and so whenever you go to the new york public library it doesn't look like that on the inside where mm-hmm. where we were. You know, there's there is one certain part in the research library. It's like on the second, third floor or something mm-hmm. that they did film a scene in. But you know, and then so you still like, get the you still get the lions, right? On yeah, the, yeah. The exterior is the exterior same. Is they the they same, definitely yeah. filmed that. Um, same with like the Ghostbusters Firehouse. It was essentially the exterior. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. I don't know. There's so many. I one of the scenes that always kind of made me laugh as a kid, and and even now as an adult is when he's going through his big brother stuff. Oh, it's so good. You know, I was the oldest in my family, so I'm sure my brother Same. probably had a I was similar experience to, to Kevin's. So I didn't really experience that. But even as a kid, you can kind of 
relate to that moment that you're like kind of digging through stuff and you're finding things that you're just like, what is this? You know? And I, mean, I that, loved it because he's like, he's like. To last week's episode. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, exa- well, it, exactly. That's kind of what it made me think of. Yeah. Um, and I just love the way that they present something that has like a little bit of an older edge to it in terms of right. the comedy, but they do it in a way that's not inappropriate. So he sees the picture of, of Buzz's girlfriend. He's like, and that face that he makes, dude, is so Ooh. hilarious. He's like, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. Yeah, yeah. And then he like opens up and he finds this like, you, you know, he opens the magazine toward the camera and it says mm-hmm. Playboy. And he's just kind of like, huh? Tosses it, you know, like I'm a nine year old. That's weird and gross. I've got no interest, which is so real, you know. Which also, I think, I think it's it's really brilliant filmmaking because the way the way it's shot, like as an and I noticed this, like I don't know, a couple years back, but like so us being parents now, I feel like everything is just I don't know. There's just this like push from like every angle for your kids to like grow up leave childhood and like become an adult and like pop culture and like mainstream music everything's trying for this push so it's like i know you and i are similar in this it's like no no no. we like will fight to like hold our kids in that innocent childlike you know Mm -hmm. that place because it's eventually going to go away no matter how hard we try Yeah, yeah but the interesting thing about that scene specifically is i like that it's kind of like playing through these jokes that the adults are going to get, but it's sort right. of like a, um, what is it called? Like a sleight of hand move mm-hmm. by like making the kids focus on like, oh, there's like a tarantula mm-hmm. and there's like this stuff. So it's like the kids aren't even like picking up these these like yeah. other jokes that are kind of for the adults, which is kind of the, it's yeah. like how you do it. You know and they I mean? don't go past, they don't go over the line. Right, right, right. You know, and, and yeah. like the cover of that magazine just has someone in a bikini. You just think, oh, it's probably just people in bathing suits, right. like Sports exactly. Illustrated or something, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. I love how he keeps on sort of trying to reinforce the fact that it's not his imagination or that, hey, if they're playing a prank on me, you mm-hmm. better come out and stop me kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah, or you better come yeah. out and pound me, yeah, you know, it, and it it perfectly to me really does play out. It, there really is just like a bunch of different sections in this movie. It's like the first one is just the, you know, of course, can we all just say that our one of our favorite things ever is whenever she's like, Kevin, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, like, so there's that classic. section when there's that, that hustle and bustle the 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 chaos of a, of a larger family mm-hmm. everybody you know i don't know if you're if you've been on like and when i say you i mean you tyler but also just like listeners in general when you try to corral 10 or more mm-hmm. family members right because every summer we go on these big family trips and we you know overseas and, and all these places but when you're trying to corral somebody to go like hey like butler we're all gonna meet at we're all sure. going to meet at this restaurant uh, in downtown Dublin at 8 p.m. Well, you've got some family members that are just kind of doing whatever they want to do. And then, oh, mm-hmm. hey, it's 8.15. They're still not here. Never mind the fact that we had to call ahead, get reservations for a group of 14, which is hard to do anyway. Right. It's it just like, it's a mess, right? And so you've got that part of the of the beginning. Then you've got sort of this realization by Kevin, this panic but also panic, but then this sense of adventure and excitement of being alone. What does that mean? Well, now I'm going to figure this out on my own, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know, throughout that little, those sections of the movie, it's just like every single moment is just awesome, you know? Yeah, yeah. What, one thing about this movie, too, that is is really cool is like, so I remember seeing this movie twice in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I knew nothing about it. And that's another thing that's pretty interesting about it. This this movie started out as like a an extremely low budget, you know, film. Mm-hmm. It was created with the intention of it being like completely low budget. I think they originally said like we were hoping to like maybe make eight million back, and the movie itself, the studio only agreed to ten million dollars. Yeah, which I'll get into some of that later, which is pretty fascinating. But this movie was supposed to not do anything, and so you know the idea that this movie, pretty much, it was such a good movie that there was barely any promotion, barely any advertising, and it was all like word of mouth. And I even remember my my mom being like, no, 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 so-and-so at work, like, they di- they just raved about it. it like, you're going to love it. And, like, I, because I, had, I hadn't even seen, like, a trailer for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. or previews, as we used to call them on TV. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and so, like, I think that's really cool that it, it has, like, th- such a, a legacy, and it's completely off word of mouth, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now that you say that, I don't remember. I don't remember. I know I saw it in the theater as well. And it may have been like when we came home for the holidays, kind of thing, or I'm mm-hmm. not sure, man. But you know, I know that it was up against Rocky Five. Rocky Five, yeah. you know, not a not a terrible sort of uh, contest there. But I mean, I love Rocky Five, though. No, nah, man, Rocky Four is the best, dude. Dude, Rocky America cool. versus Russia, man. Come on, no, 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 for, for obviously. But I like Rocky Five when he like he's like street fighting in like the street. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. Cool. Tommy Gunn is the worst, though. Oh God, you just. You really hate that guy. I freaking hate him. Okay. Oh, oh, no, no, no. So that's what I was going to say. So one of the things that's interesting about this movie is like, you know, being a kid in the 80s and 90s and seeing it in the, in the theaters when it, you know, when it became like sort of a cultural sort of phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how certain parts of the movie have gone from like my favorite to my least favorite and then parts mm-hmm. that I just would fast forward through. Like <laughs> as a kid, I remember wanting to fast forward and skip the entire beginning until he yeah. starts like having fun at the house. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny now, like there's little parts that are my absolute favorite. Like uncle Frank is like, yeah, such a brilliant, like funny, you know, and it's so mm-hmm. like low key sort of flat humor. Like when he's, when he's on the plane and he's like trying to like sort of get oh, extra Christ. stuff and yeah he's like trying to steal the crystal <laughs> or whatever because he's in first class yeah exactly he's just he's he's such a great character but um but it's interesting having that like shift from like you know being a kid when it came out to like only loving those like kid parts to now i'm a dad and it's like i think some of my favorite parts are those like adult moments yeah it's funny. and because you can relate to other family members a lot better now Mm-hmm. As an adult, you know, not saying that like I have an Uncle Frank in my life, but there's right. always that awkward family member or even like now as a parent and they're being cousins. It's like, well, better break out the rubber sheets. You know, this kid's <laughs> drinking. Dude. And then like the face whenever he's like, huh? And he's like, he does the eyebrows because he's drinking Pepsi. Yeah. And he's just going to pee the bed. It's just, <laughs> I just feel like, and by the way, listeners, if you hate this movie, hopefully we can change your mind because- this episode is going to be us gushing about it. Yeah, we're yeah. going to we're going to bring in some stuff that you probably didn't know about or yeah. that you're being reminded of, but 
it's just so good, man. I feel like in so many ways, and I think this is a credit to both John Hughes, certainly John Hughes, but also Christopher Columbus, the writing perfectly captures so many things of what it felt like to be a kid back then. Yeah, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And yes, there's moments like, I, you know, gosh, if Kevin's attitude towards his mom stayed the same the entire time, I yeah. would hate that. Because even as a kid, that, that bugged me so bad mm-hmm. whenever he was such a jerk to his he mom. He was such a bad kid, yeah. 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 And you know what's funny? It's funny that you're saying this because I remember thinking... Like I said, growing up in like rural South, like I remember thinking, oh, here like, we go. Oh, it must be because he's <laughs> no, 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 not the Yankee thing. But I do remember thinking, like, oh, maybe that's like that. It's that's more how normal. Them Yankees act. No, but it's more normal to like be like disrespectful or rude to your parents for, for like city kids. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I specifically remembering, like, oh, maybe this is like normal for you know. Right. I don't know. I just remember being like, oof, I I didn't like it. And thankfully, that was just the beginning of that character's arc. And it resolves. And Mm -hmm. it does so in such a good way. And in different parts of this movie, but also in the the sequel, that connection, I think it portrays the connection between mother and son or mother and child that I I think no matter which way you slice it is different than Mm -hmm. like a father and and a child. You know, like there's just something like there's this connection that a mom has to their child that I don't know that you can achieve as a dad. I I don't know. And I mean, I I know that I'm making some real broad stroke statements. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, man, there's like this, it kind of revolves around, uh, I think like a song or something, but at different points, the mom and Kevin are like looking out the window and there's this moment they're having, thinking of each other from far away, you know? Mm-hmm. And yes, I think that's of course possible as a as a dad, but I'm just saying there's almost something inherently like biological about that. I yeah, think. right. Right. Um, and it's like just that awesome. she carried him in his in her womb, and there's like that connection. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Let's see. I, you know, there's just Which, so many of you. Real quick, before uh, we move on from <laughs> the Frank thing, I totally forgot. There is a, there's a, oh, you're still on Frank. <laughs> I can't get enough of this guy. There's the part <laughs> where they're on the plane, and he's Gosh. like. I can't uh, get enough of this guy. I just noticed this last year, actually, and I rewound it like three times, where <laughs> the mom is like freaking out. She's like, I can't believe we've left him. How could we do this? Um, you know, and the dad's like trying to like like console her. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't mean to, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she's like basically questioning her like motherhood, which kind of kind of goes along with what you're just saying. And then <laughs> His response oh, is, well, if it makes Sick. you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> Dude, which is, it's of course, so... you love that scene. That is such a you thing to that's do. A, that's what I would say. <laughs> uh, never mind, like, trying to comfort this lady. And, you know, a lot of people's, I guess, critique of the movie and the story and stuff, which, come on, man, everybody ease up, is that, like, when she calls the cops, she's not on the phone saying, hey, I've got a nine-year-old son who's there by himself. I'm afraid that he may have gotten hurt or anything. She's like, my son is home alone. Right. You know, they're like, what is he, 17, 18? All the cop does is go to check. And then he's like, (laughs) he calls back, door's locked. Uh, Okay. Uh, I mean, that's what means the son's safe? I don't. So everything's fine, ma'am. You know, it's just weird. And so there's moments like that, but 
you know, I mean, I don't know, man, going back to like some of the favorite stuff, there's, you know, the, the, the way that he sets up that, uh, like the shed, the Christmas party, you know, the rocking around the Christmas tree scene. Oh, where that was the He's best, got yeah. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, um, yep. You know, the cutout kind of, I don't really, really attached to like a train and it's like moving around. And mm-hmm. I mean, just, oh God, it's so good, man. But look, there's so much to talk about this movie. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, you know, I am, uh, I mean, I'm just losing a little focus here. You know, mm. dude, mm. one of the things that's kind of helped me though over the last couple of weeks is, and I'm ex- super excited to uh, to talk about this, is I have been trying the stuff called Magic Mind. Magic Mike? Magic Mind. Mind. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about it, dude, is it, it helps with your focus and it is just like a little bitty shot, a little bottle. Mm. You know, you always talk about chugging energy drinks. I'm typically a coffee guy. Mm. One of the things that sucks about both of those is if you consume too much of them, you kind of feel jittery and weird and, I don't know, dehydrated. But, you know, dude, I got to say, man, as a dad, as a podcaster, as someone that also has, you know, a regular job, I feel like there's not enough time in the day to get it all done. And if you're any tiny amount of distracted, then it's just almost impossible. Well, this stuff, it's almost like this magic elixir that I found in the hills of... On the peaks of the Himalayas. On the Himalayas, right? It's made of natural ingredients like matcha, bacopa monieri, which is a uh, neurotropic that improves attention span. Neurotropic. It's just a little shot. I take it in the morning, and no joke, when I do, I find that I don't have to drink as much coffee. Mm. It gives me a nice little energy boost. I feel more focused. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, dude, is honestly, I'm loving it. Mm. Here's the good news, pal. Well, let me go with the bad news first. Bad news is when when Magic Mind sent us a sample, I tried it all. (laughs) Not on the same day. That would be dangerous. But (laughs) I'm saying I didn't get a chance to share it with Tyler. No. The good news for our That Would Be Rad listeners is this. If you're looking to improve productivity, not feel like a crazy person because you drink too much coffee, then go check them out at magicmind.com slash brad20. Mm-hmm. And you can use this discount code to get up to 56% off of your first subscription or 20% off of your first one-time purchase. Hey, do it for the holidays. Yeah, do it for the holidays. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. All right. Well, look, I think we could spend like all day talking about our favorite scenes and stuff. Maybe we can get into some more, but I would love to kind of talk about some of the things that people have forgotten or maybe didn't even know that are super interesting about this movie. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know either until doing research for this episode and just in general. So first off, I didn't know this. John Hughes basically got the idea to write this movie because of working with Macaulay Culkin on Uncle Buck. Yep, that's right. Hey, how you doing? Who are you? I'm your Uncle Buck. Do I have an uncle? Unfortunately. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair and your nose than my dad. Which is incredible to me, dude. 
Mm-hmm. It's that serendipity. It's that synchronicity. It's all the things that we talk about on the show happening. In fact, I think this movie, and we'll get into that further too, and I think listeners, you'll agree, this movie perfectly embodies as an example of what happens when things synchronize. Just line up. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's yeah. everything kind of lines up and it just creates this incredible, you know, creation. Mm-hmm. So... He worked with Macaulay Culkin. As you know, you know John Hughes from all of the sort of Brat Pack movies, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. I mean, he's just a legend. And in that same way that he captured what it felt like to be a younger kid in Home Alone, I feel Mm -hmm. like he captured the teen experience in the 80s pretty well. In fact, it's almost like those movies are the things that need to be put in the time capsule so that people can see, oh, this is what the 80s were like. Sure, some of it is pretty cliche, but I think oh, I he does it in a way that it's not, I mean, to be frank, most movies and shows and anything that's trying to be a quote-unquote 80s whatever are channeling John oh, yeah. Hughes when they For do sure. that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think is so interesting about a movie like this is, so for example, this movie started out on Warner Brothers. The only reason that they even agreed to this. I mean, yes, it was, you know, a push from John Hughes. uh, But the reason why was like, oh, well, it's going to be a super low-budget movie. It centers around this basically unknown actor, Macaulay Culkin, who, you know, I mean, he was was so amazing in Uncle Buck. I mean, you could, you could, he's just super cute kid. Mm -hmm. And like, you could definitely see that there was like something there, but it wasn't like he was asking for like, a massive paycheck or anything. Right. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it was. it's kind of like the old uh, like Columbia Bob Dylan records where they're like, yeah, we can do it because it's literally one guy sitting in a recording booth with a guitar. Like, you don't have to pay for a band. You don't. So it's like they only did it because it was going to be cheap and like maybe we'll get a return on our investment. Mm-hmm. And so starting out on Warner Brothers, you know, as it went along, they realized like, oh man, we're we're building like, like I said before, they built the entire interior in an abandoned school. So the money, the price just kept going up and up and up. And basically they sent a thing that said, hey, we, we need to extend the budget. And they waited and waited. And finally they declined. They said, no, we can't do anything about it. And apparently there's a story and there's an episode of uh, the movies that made us that covers this, and it's it's so good, it's awesome, it's yeah. really interesting because there was a guy that came out from Warner Brothers who was like going around, you know, to each each like department in this abandoned school because you know they had they had like the editing suite set up, they had they were sort of utilizing this entire school, and so they said the guy came flew out, you know, it's in uh, suburbs of Chicago, the guy flew out from California from Warner Brothers to basically go to all these departments and be like, hey, let's, you know, we're shutting it down. Pack up your stuff. Warner Brothers is no longer making this film. And the story goes that there was a guy right behind him as he would, like, go in and then leave. This other team, which this came from a connection that John Hughes had. Uh, he had a friend that worked with 20th Century Fox. He ended up calling, making some moves, and and you know the his friend read it and was like, yeah, let's uh, we'll make this movie for that because it was still cheap even 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 with what they did, they spin on it. It was still 
a lot less than like a big budget movie. Yeah. By any means, you know. So for sure. Uh, so you know they reach out to 20th Century Fox, and as this this WB guy is telling everybody to close up shop, as he would leave a room. I think like the production head or whatever would come in with this other guy from 20th Century Fox that had flown out also and say, hey, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. We're still making the movie. It's still happening. And so everybody's sort of confused, like, what is going yeah. on? Because that's something that like, I mean, it's like you do not do, but I think it's awesome because it shows the belief that like Chris Columbus had, did I just say Columbus? Yeah. Uh, Christopher Columbus had and John Hughes mm -hmm. and like, you know, the the whole team, it was like sort of a ragtag kind of thing. And their belief in it sort of kept it going, which was, you know, in the face of like diversity, which yeah. I think is really cool. Well, and and so, also real quick to that point, it also shows the faith of everybody that was working on it. Not right. just the folks that were like the kind of go between the studio and the, the cast and crew and stuff. But, you know, once they read that, the script and and once they i don't know i just feel like everyone had that same amount of oh man this is something there's something, there's something about special. this that's special yeah 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 it, which is kind of weird because and it never really says this even on the um the movies that made us episode but it's it is odd to me that like i don't you know i don't know if they were like there's this saying in hollywood that's like you're only as good as your your last project and so yeah. like i wonder oh, if like John Hughes had just come came out with like a movie that didn't quite perform like it was supposed to, yeah, because... yeah, I think I think so, man. I think I, I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, hold on, I know this. Oh, it's not something Vegas, but yes, he had a bomb, and several of the people that worked on this movie mm. were from that movie. That's I don't, right, and, you know, uh, and I think it was a Warner Brothers movie, and so he had less leverage. Than if it would have been just like straight out. I mean, he still had a fair amount of leverage. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't gonna. He that leverage he used to convince them to make it in the first place. You know. Right. 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 So, but it, but it's it's still kind of weird to me that like, you know, I mean, I know like when you're in it, it's you, you don't quite see things as like, you know, like when these like iconic bands make these albums while they're making these albums. They don't, they're not looking at them as like, Oh, they're going to become iconic. It's just like the mm -hmm. work. And so it is interesting to me to see that like a, a film studio not sort of do as John Hughes said, because I mean, he's such a legend and like, and just so know. just in case folks have kind of just forgotten, I'm just going to go with the quick list here. Yeah. Just so that you, just we can give them some context Right. To people that might not be as familiar with John Hughes, mm -hmm. we're talking about movies like Mr. Mom. These are movies that he wrote, okay? Mr. Okay. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some mm -hmm. Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Dutch, you know, the list goes on. Beethoven. Um, I mean, my gosh. Yeah, Dennis was, the Menace. Which uh, is so good. We just, yeah, it's so 101 good. Dalmatians, Flubber. I mean, do you, do you know what I mean? It just goes yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. And and also, I think it's worth noting that out of all those films that Woody just said, like, I would say, I would say well over half of those movies would go down as, like, some of the greatest movies of all time. You know? Oh, for a, sure. 
especially movies that would like go on like what he said at the beginning of the show to like define the era of like the 1980s mm-hmm. and so with all that behind him and being such a legend like he passed away at 53 yeah which yeah. is wild yeah so anyway all that to say you know the stars were aligned but it didn't come without a lot of like sort of perseverance uh, in the mm-hmm. face of like you know the big hollywood machine saying no and it's like well we don't accept that. We're going to go elsewhere. And yeah. they did. And it, uh, for 14 weeks in a row, it stayed number one. I mean, just incredible, Which dude. amazing. Yeah. And I think I misspoke earlier. I think it wasn't John Hughes that was tied to the bomb. I think it was actually Chris Columbus. Oh, that's right. That's right. Heartbreak he Hotel is the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. And a lot, of the, a lot of the folks, you know, production managers and set designers and stuff from Heartbreak Hotel actually worked on Home Alone as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of these just like super interesting facts about how, well, growing up, you know, you watch a movie like this and not really having at that time as a kid any experience in any sort of slice of the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. You don't really, once that movie's in your hand, you don't really know all the possibilities of how it, you know, came to be. The right. thing that's just remarkable to me is that this movie almost didn't get made. It's such yeah. a huge part of, of, I mean, honestly, like our culture, I would say. Mm-hmm. Everybody's seen Home Alone. Right. You know, I really don't know. And please, if you're listening and, and this applies to you, please reach out. And this isn't so that I can make fun of you. It's just because I don't know anyone that has never seen Home Alone. I don't know yeah. a single person. I agree. That's how huge this movie is. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that, that it almost not getting made. Another cool thing is like there were sort of multiple things that like not Joe Pesci but the other dude he was actually it was actually Daniel Stern Daniel Stern he eventually he originally like turned it down I think because he wasn't going to get paid what you know he he wanted or whatever yeah and it was going to another guy well then the other guy kind of bailed out midway through okay I forget what the other guy the other guy's a very famous guy too Um, yeah yeah he's like a um, I forget his name it would have been weird. It wouldn't have been the same. Super weird, yeah. And it's like little things like that. And oh, oh, this is the most amazing sort of behind the scenes is at the very end, they'd already shot everything. And they, they're they sort of sitting around and and Chris Columbus is like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about like the music and like what they were like because it was already given to a guy. And I think it wrote. Uh, I thought I wrote it down somewhere. I can't remember the name, but that th- there was already like a composer that was doing the movie, right? And he had yeah. already like started, loosely started filming. And, you know, they're sitting around having coffee and he just like says, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get John Williams? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of started out as like a, oh, wow, that would be amazing. Like, you know, that'll never. Pie in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, pie in the sky. Anyway, just like they did with the Fox deal going elsewhere, somehow, uh, and I think it's like still kind of a mystery at this point because, you know, it's technically kind of illegal, I think. Uh, It sort of worked out because the other composer, I think, bailed for some reason anyway. And so they ended up getting the rough cut of the movie, sneaking it to him somehow, and he absolutely loved it. And, I mean, the rest is history. Like, yeah. I, mean, I would dude, say that, that it, it like helps make that movie like totally iconic for sure. And 
folks, we do encourage you to go watch the Netflix Movies That Made Us. Or, movies That Made Us, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the first season. It's maybe the first or second episode, mm-hmm. and it's about Home Alone. It's really cool because, yeah, they, they talk about how, and it's, you know, members of the, the cast and crew and stuff, they're talking about how the movie was great. But it still was like, it was lacking something. And then once they applied that John Williams soundtrack, it was like, boom. It it just made it, you know? And and the music is just so iconic as well. I mean, we we also listened to that soundtrack during the holidays in our house as well. We just love John Williams in general. But it is Mm -hmm. funny. I think we've talked about this on the show before. There are elements of it that he just kind of borrows from himself a lot. If you oh, listen yeah. to the Home Alone soundtrack and then immediately flip on the first Harry Potter, um, mm-hmm. you can hear that. He's got a very sort of like, this is my Christmas wintry sound right. bucket. You know? Which, by the way, Chris Columbus did the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah, I know. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, the one thing about that score, though, particularly, is it almost has this thing where, like, if you didn't know that it was John Williams mm-hmm. and you weren't really, like you know, to, to sort of your average movie viewer or whatever, it almost sort of like blends together as like, oh, this is just like Christmas music that's mm-hmm. already been like, it's like old Christmas music. Yeah, yeah. Like it almost like sort of blends into the background in like a really nice way sure. because it it feels like those, you know, minor chord, like mm-hmm. old kind of like, you know, symphonic like Christmas music. Yeah. And especially back then when it came out, right? I mean, like, you never would have, in fact, growing up, I don't think until I, like, sort of tried to figure it out on my own, I didn't realize that that was the guy who also composed, you Mm -hmm. know, Star Wars, Superman, you know, all that stuff. Because it doesn't sound as sort of, like, epic. And so it really, this is almost like a a commentary on how brilliant John Williams is of Mm -hmm. a composer or as a composer, because he knows how to, I guess, invoke the emotions with the music that he writes that are necessary and help not really make the scene, but just kind of, I don't kind know. Kind of wraps a bow. Wraps a yeah, bow yeah exactly, it. exactly. Puts that finishing touch on it that just envelops the whole thing and makes it awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that episode of, uh, you know, the movies that made us, I mean, we've referenced this 10 times already, yeah. but... Um, it, it is cool to hear because, uh, what'd you say, Daniel Stearns, uh, Joe Pesci's cohort? Hold on, let me see. I just found it because I also found the name of the guy. Um, yeah, Daniel uh, Stern. And the other guy that you're thinking of is Daniel Roebuck, which is no, that's right. because, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he, it shows like a clip where he's talking about the music and he was like, he was like, man, as soon as we got it back, it was like it was like watching a, a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And it, it just made it better in every way. And uh, I, I agree for sure. Yeah. Here's a, a quick sort of tidbit for folks about Chris Columbus. The cool thing about him is he was the one that wrote the script for Gremlins. Mm. He was actually working on another Hughes project when Home Alone was kind of in the works. And it was Christmas Vacation. Yeah. So he was he was directing that, but he, like, since a lot of this has kind of come out, he didn't like working with uh, Chevy Chase. A lot yeah, of he said apparently. he was like a total... Yeah, 
And I think that's like the consensus of almost everybody that's ever worked with him, which sucks, it's, man, because like, suck. golly, he's hilarious. He is. I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like when I heard that, it was sort of like, oh, I don't yeah, like no. that. that um, like, yeah, the interesting thing is like for this movie to be such a l- sort of iconic movie, this was only his third film mm-hmm. that he had ever done, Chris, yeah. Chris Columbus, which is wow. What's also interesting is when you hear his take on why he chose, he said, you know, he was just obsessed with Christmas, which is super yeah, right. cool. Yeah. And in fact, the initial writing that John Hughes, the initial like sort of script and screenplay and everything, Chris Columbus said that it felt more like it was very, you know, just like a lot of John Hughes films, there's a lot of humor and everything it was great, but there mm-hmm. wasn't enough Christmas you know, mm. and so he actually now think of the freaking sand that this dude had, right? Mm. You're talking about this guy up until this point, he's only done two films, two okay? movies, yeah, two. One of them, the <laughs> most recent, was an absolute bomb, yeah, right? Right. He gets the screenplay, and the next day sends back notes mm-hmm. and rewrites to John. <laughs> now imagine, I mean, that's sand, dude. But yeah. but this is also a testament to the brilliance of Christopher Columbus. Not in yeah. that he had the sand to do it, but with what he handed over. Because immediately, apparently, John Hughes reads this and is like, ooh, I like that. But mm. do this. So they had a couple back and forth rewrites. Right. And then they came up with what, what it is now. One of the main things was that Chris Columbus wanted the end to wrap up with the what what it is now which is you know there's this resolve with kevin's character mm. and and understanding of the impo- there wasn't enough um in the movie that sort of um sort of that defined emotional. the yeah and the true meaning of christmas so to speak right uh that's according to christopher columbus he's like i just didn't feel that and i wanted it to be in there because that's what i wanted in a christmas movie yeah and dude i just i love that mm-hmm. you know after the this Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Or a vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Don't you? If anyone out there wants. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Yeah, I, I, that's another thing, too, from that show that they talk about. They talk about that, that last Christmas scene, which is weird because, again, going back to what I said originally, you know, the, like the church scene with like the old man, like it always w- was like... You always knew that it was important as a kid watching the scene, but man, as an adult, it 
really is like such a, an emotionally heightened mm-hmm. kind of scene. And it's so yeah. like, it's so small and quiet, but it's just so powerful. Yeah. And they said that Macaulay Culkin came in and he filmed the whole thing in like one go. Like there was yeah. no, you know, not a lot of editing or, or that kind of thing. It was like he, even as like a young kid, he understood the importance of this scene. Yeah. You know, he understood the power cool. of not saying the word um <laughs> a million times. I still haven't learned that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say that uh, Here we go. it's it's interesting you saying that because I forgot that, that uh, Chris Columbus was like such a big fan of Christmas. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that did help contribute to what I was saying in the beginning of of how like, you know, they had the opportunity to like build the house from the ground up mm-hmm. because they, they created the whole interior. So I wonder if if a lot of that like just love for Christmas was sort of invoked in that um, everything having that like red and green. Right. Yeah. I think I remember them talking about that or in one of the interviews that I read, that's definitely his touch. Like he wanted a splash of Christmas on every frame basically. And he wanted it just, but not in a way that felt cheesy or anything. He just wanted Mm -hmm. us as an audience to be immersed in Christmas, which Mm -hmm. is just like you said, it's super cool. Uh, One thing that I got to say just before I forget it is the John Candy cameo in the movie. Oh, it's the best. You know, as a kid, dude, I don't know what it was. I freaking, and to this day, I still do, I loved John Candy. I always thought he was so nice, also hilarious. You Mm -hmm. know, I loved Uncle Buck and The Great Outdoors. But this movie, his character in this, I did not know this. and just makes me love it even more. First off, he did this movie as a favor and favor. as like yeah just like a thank you almost because <laughs> of his history yeah to john hughes yeah. and he only worked for get ready for this folks okay now remember tyler mentioned this is shoestring budget yeah i think the most that it actually ended up spending because they got it approved was about 14 million which mm. you know sounds like a lot to if you're just like hey you have 14 million but when you've got to pay a large staff. Like an army. Of- you know what I'm saying? And you have to like cater it every day. Yeah. And, you know, all the bills and everything. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. John Candy took the, I guess, and this is probably has to do with the Actors Guild or something, but he took the minimum salary at the time, which was $414, <laughs> which is incredible, dude. I mean, he was a huge yeah. name, you know, at that time. Oh, yeah. But here's what's cool. Hughes had such a good relationship with them. That and I can't wait to now knowing this. I can't, I gotta go watch it again. Mm-hmm. Almost one hundred percent of everything that comes out of Candy's mouth improv. was one hundred percent improv. <laughs> I know. I love it. Incredible, dude. Also, another cool thing is so Hughes wasn't on the set at all. He was only on the set for two days, like one when they first started, mm-hmm. and he specifically flew in to be there when John Candy was there. And because it was a favor, they said that he like worked him to the bone. They ended up working 23 hours. Oh, yeah, yes. In I, one I day, which is amazing. Uh, that's incredible. And for yeah, but four, the, 414 bucks. Yeah, that was that was the the sort of the, the joke is that the pe- the kid that played the pizza guy, the Nero's pizza guy, made more than John Candy made. Man. One, which is amazing. Yeah. But the funniest part is like what Woody just said about it being all like improv, every bit of the polka stuff, all of that, was just completely made up on the spot. And when you go back and watch those scenes, man, it, it's that's incredible. Like how quick he, he could think. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's just uh, it's just so funny, man. 
Yeah, incredible. Before we go any further, dude, we have to talk about one of my favorite things about the Home Alone franchise. I say franchise because, and I'm only including the first two. After that, don't bother. Same. But the first two are, are gold to me. But there's mm-hmm. something that they included. In fact, I don't even know if they include this in the third one. Who cares? And that's the film within the film. Oh, yeah. Angels with Dirty Faces. Angels with Filthy Souls. Wait, you know, I thought it was Dirty Faces. Well, it is, it's, a, though it's a title riff on the real Angels with Dirty Faces. It's the oh, real that's movie, it. I think. Yeah. And Angels with Filthy Souls, my entire life, my entire life until the internet was invented. I think, in fact, the very first time I came across a search engine, the first thing that I typed in was black and white Home Alone movie in the movie. You know what I mean? I mm. wanted to see this movie so right. bad. I right. thought it was cool. It looked like a cool old-timey gangster movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy's so amazing. Yeah. And it's not, man. I, to be honest with you, it's it's kind of disappointing. It's sort of the coal in my stocking. Well, it, that it's like it. It's a movie within a movie. They shot it super quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I loved it, man. Well, dude, I think to me, it it, it is kind of a bummer, but I think it it sort of flips and it's almost even cooler because, you know, once you do kind of look behind the curtain, you see like how minimal their budget was. The idea of like, oh, well, now we're going to have to pay rights on this like old movie that we're going to be using, you know, 10 seconds from, 15 seconds from. So let's just make our own movie. Like, I think that's even cooler, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely... uh I agree, man. It is really cool. It's it's also cool that they, you know, like, I mean, I always think about the, the little production stuff, like the mm-hmm. fact that they had to get, like, a, make a fake, uh, you know, VHS cover for it. And, <laughs> right, right. You know, like, all that stuff yeah. is just so freaking awesome. And I don't know. I just, it, I, uh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things, too, like, kind of taking another look behind the curtain is, like, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but, you know, you have this, this, amazing sort of final scene where you know the mom like comes back home and there's like this like you know snow on the ground and it's like blowing snow and all that stuff so i think like apparently i guess through the whole you know first being with warner brothers and then like like jumping over to fox you know their like dates kind of got whatever and so when they resumed film filming and like came back once they signed everything with fox um it was sort of like, okay, this is the scene, the second we have good weather, uh, or the second we have, like, snow, you know, everybody keep your pager on, you know, that mo- the following morning, we are hitting the ground running. And so mm-hmm. they said, like, it was perfect. The skies opened up, and it was, like, more snow than they could have even imagined. It was just like, it was, you know, like what he said at the beginning. It was like that synchronicity of all these elements just kind of coming together. And the cool thing, too, is, like, and I didn't know this until that episode, but is that they needed more of like the blowing snow. So they basically mm. blew these like these like potato. Oh, yeah. The potato flakes. Flakes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've never even heard of this. I didn't know yeah. this was even a thing. But they're basically, you know, kind of like like you'd slice potatoes like mm-hmm. you're yeah. going to cook for uh, like potato chips. And they did that. But then like within like the following day to two days to three days, like potatoes eventually start to rot and they start Mm -hmm. like turning moldy and black and Mm -hmm. smelling. So like, I I don't know. I just, I think that's such an interesting little 
bit of trivia. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, man. Like that's a, it was a pretty common uh, fake snow effect that was used around then. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of technology coming a long way, they've certainly perfected that now. And then obviously people put it in digitally. I mean, just watch any movie that's come out since the year 2000, basically. Like even oh, Gladiator yeah. has the digital snow. Real quick, going back to uh, Angels with Filthy Souls, I didn't know this, but if you have the DVD version of Home Alone 1 and 2, apparently one of the extras is the full short films of both this one and then the one that they play in Home Alone 2. Which if that's not a reason enough to go out and buy these dang DVDs today, I don't know what is, man. Yeah, dude, I, I think I did know that. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I've never seen those, but... Yeah, me neither. Uh, I would love to check those out for sure. One of the things, too, is like when they were casting for like Joe Pesci's role, <laughs> which thank God they settled on him because he's so funny and like yeah. apparently he had like a lot of trouble sort of <laughs> acclimating yeah. uh, because like, you, you know... You just got off the set of Goodfellas, basically. <laughs> right. I mean, dude... <laughs> Yeah, and now you're kind of like, it's like a kid's movie, basically. So it was like, he's constantly having to pull back, you mm-hmm. know, instead of dropping, like, the F word constantly. But uh, it it's funny because it shows on that episode that they they were going to do, was it Pacino or? Uh, it was Robert De Niro. De Niro, is, that's is it. Is one of the people that they were going to cast for it, yeah. I mean, how weird would that be? Yeah, I mean, I often wonder, too, you know, it's sort of like the the Back to the Future thing. Eric Stoltz, you know, filmed mm, right. almost the entire thing. And then they they were like, no, it's not good. And they yeah. went back. And so some of that unreleased stuff is, is available now to kind of see. I wonder at times like that, would the movie, would I have enjoyed it as much? I don't think mm-hmm. so. I mean, would I it know. Have been I mean, like but a, you know, iconic? like, right. If I was a casting director and it's 1990 or 89, I mean, even even um, Pesci would have wouldn't have been a choice for me. I, there's no way I would imagine that he would end up in a PG kids movie. Mm-hmm. But he does it. It's you know, it's just brilliant, man. And yeah, it's perfect. I, I love one of the things they talk about is how his difficulty. You mentioned this, but I wanted to expand on it a little bit because it just cracked me up. One of the toughest things that he had to kind of the hurdle, I guess, that he had to get over when making this movie was that he was constantly cussing yeah in the script he would just put it in there so it'd be like something would happen and he would just be cussing and they'd be like dude you gotta work on that Mm -hmm. so he came up with this like well what if i just like kind of like mumble and he made this like mumble language thing which is also equally iconic for that character in this movie and it just is a the end result of him trying not to just drop the F-bomb all the time so in front of these kids, it's yeah. just, it's so good, man. Yeah, dude, it, it really is. So are you like a big fan of the second one? I actually, it's funny that you phrased the question that way because that uh, makes me think that you're not. And But before you tell me, mm-hmm. I got to say, I was earlier... I was going to say, you know, Home Alone 2 might be one of the examples that I use as a sequel that I'm not disappointed in. So I used to hate it. I thought it was weird. Really? I thought I, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like, to me, I felt like the first one sort of captures this like, like um, 
And it's interesting because you see, like, I think he's, like, the director of photography where they're talking about how, like, a lot of, like, sort of the stunts that uh, the Wet Bandits would do, he got a lot of that by, like, old school, like, animation, which is really cool. And it's even funnier is that, like, now sort of those those kind of, like, gag, like, stunt moves, like, in, like, this, you know, stuntman industry, basically, Mm -hmm. is, like, you know, when there's that, like, that, like, you know, you slip and fall or whatever, pretty much how I did when I screwed yeah, up my right, arm. Right. When, you, when you're in the air for a long time and then you, like, land, Slam. they call that, like, the home alone, which is mm. pretty amazing. But Wait, real quick. Can I talk about that one, That specifically that move that you're talking about? I heard that the stuntman, who, mm-hmm. who was the stuntman for Merv or whatever, mm-hmm. right. uh, was it, is it Merv? Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's okay. Right. That he basically read the scene and he's like, oh, okay. The reason why it's so funny to me as a kid was he just so high up in the air and literally just falls on the oh, ground, right? Yeah. And he said that he basically was just like, I don't know. I just jumped as high as I could <laughs> <laughs> and landed on my back or whatever. And that's just hilarious no, now. But, th- but then they filmed it like 50 times Holy of that. crap, dude. Those dudes are like... Well, I mean, they probably got a lot of broken bones, man. A lot of broken bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and apparently, like, it was one of these things where the the, the crew, like, when they were doing these, like, these gags, they were, set, they were like, they would film it, and then everybody was, like, kind of holding their breath, like, oh, God, is he, did he break a bone? Did he break his neck? Did he get a concussion? And then when they would see him come up, like, there would be this sort of, you know, department-wide sigh of relief, like, oh, okay, we're good. Uh, yeah. But it, but it's said that Christopher Columbus would would say you know if if it hurts it's funny, and so <laughs> like there were you know no padded sidewalks no CGI anything like this like all the stuff that you're seeing there is all practical, just straight up stuntman just just going Man. for it it's amazing yeah. so going back to what I was saying earlier about uh, the sequel I originally felt like the tone for the first one. It just felt it did kind of have this sort of like cartooniness a little bit, you know, like the mm-hmm. in like sort of the fun house, you know, yeah. uh, scenes. But there was something about the second one that just f- like tonally it felt different. Like it just felt a little more, like I don't know. Like or something? Yeah, a little like, like, uh, and not intentionally darker, but like, I, I, you know what it is? I think it's because you didn't have... And it's funny that, like, as I'm speaking, I'm, like, figuring this out, you know? It's, like, mm-hmm. knowing now that, like, you know, all those interiors were built, all the yeah. lighting and the reds and the greens, all that, like, sort of Christmassy kind of thing. I think you didn't really, you you didn't have that sort of softness as, like, a backdrop on the second one. You just had mm-hmm. kind of, like, the cold kind of city. See, I, I, I view it differently, man. Really? Yeah, growing up. New York was always one of those cities that I always wanted to go to. Oh, and, me too. Yeah. And and so like the magic of New York at Christmas mm-hmm. as the backdrop. Oh, dude, I No, no, I, no, I like that. Yeah. I, I'm saying and, like and the, the plaza man, I mean like oh, I don't yeah. know. It is different. I will I will give you that. But to me especially as a kid, but even now I just love it. Now, Home Alone itself is a lightning in a bottle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it to me is my is my ultimate favorite, but I do like the sequel. I think the sequel to me holds up. 
Mm-hmm. A lot, man. I mean, Kelly. Yeah. I mean, it's just Tim well, Curry, man. I, I, used, I used to not like it. For, like, I don't know why I had such a such a strong like aversion to it, but I don't know. Seeing it a few years ago, like with my kids, especially, I think I do like it more because the other sequels are just such Oof, pure garbage. Rough. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna do a Home Alone without Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And there's like five of them, which is yeah. Insane to, and then like, there's like first thing out of the gate, it's like we're getting into like divorce, and it's just like, oh, what are we doing, yeah. guys? They don't exist in my world at all. Yeah, they're like they're not there. They're terrible. Yeah, but but knowing that, like you know, and as like being like a parent to like younger kids, I don't know. I I can appreciate the second one a lot more because it's still within that sort of like canon, you know. Mm-hmm. Dude, um, uh, like about a week or so ago, I went to uh, the Brave Stadium with with Clayton, and we were getting pictures with our families with uh, Blooper, the mascot, dude. Mm-hmm. And his youngest is, gosh, he's probably like three, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe two or three, uh, and he's this little boy. And we were talking about Christmas movies with the kids, and I was like, "Oh, have you guys seen Home Alone?" And he was like, "Oh, God, what did they say that he says to them?" He says something about like, hey, is that the movie with the bad guys that need to be arrested? And they're like, uh, what? You mean like the robbers or whatever? He's like, yeah. And they're like, uh, yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't want to watch that movie. Too scary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's not wrong. Yeah. There's so many like cool facts about the movie. Again, we covered some of them. I, last time I'm going to say it, but. Go and watch that. That special. It's it's less. It's uh, I think it's less than an hour long. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Actually, that whole entire series is really cool. Same with you know because they cover Ghostbusters and you oh know, yeah a lot of other movies that that we grew up on. And it's just a great great series. So definitely go check that out because there's a lot more that we didn't cover um, just now. But one of the things that we learned when doing the research for this is there are these really weird. Some are hilarious to me for some reason, but just strange internet theories oh, that yeah. exist about this movie, about some of the characters in the movie. So let's get into those. We'll return after these messages. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Can I kick it off? Yeah, dude, get get in there. The first one, dude, and the picture that they chose on this one, hold on, dude, I'm going to show you this one. John Candy's character's name is Gus, and this theory, the title of it is Gus is the devil. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then, like, uh, check out this picture, man. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's what they chose whenever they're explaining this. But it basically, their theory is this. Kevin's mother wanted to get back home to her son so bad that she made a bargain with the devil in the airport, which was mm-hmm. Gus. 
And uh, let's see. Yeah, again, that's just like a Reddit theory. I mean, well, it is interesting that she says, she says, I would sell my soul to the devil himself to get back to home. And when she says that, at that moment, Gus walks over and is like, you rang? Well, also, this Granton Airport is near a crossroads, actually, apparently, which also lines up uh, to that. And then as soon as she says yes, he pointed out a rental van that could take her home. So it's like this strange, mythical lining up of events that he just kind of like, you know, lined up. Now, this is also a great example of how things are different nowadays. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine my wife, much less my mom, jumping into a van with, actually, I can imagine my mom doing it. She'd be hilarious. But Mm -hmm. jumping into a van full of strange men. And I, by strange, I don't mean because they're weirdos. Just like strangers. I just mean like strangers, right? Mm-hmm. A whole van full to travel cross country back to Chicago. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. My favorite, or well, not my favorite, but one of my favorites, and that is yeah. because I'm such a an Uncle Frank fan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that Uncle Frank is like the real villain of the whole thing. Mm. It, you know, you obviously see that he dislikes Kevin at best. And he kind of has like a, he's a little jealous or envious of Kevin's dad and like their, you know, their big house. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this scene in the beginning where like the pizza guy comes and he's like, he's like, it'll be whatever he says. And he's like, ah, it's my brother's house. He'll take care of it. And (laughs) which is really funny, but yeah. um, You know, it's this idea that like uncle Frank may have actually been the one that hired Harry and Marv to rob the house. Ooh, I like that. And then flipping it around to make Kevin, like, the main, like, suspect. Oh. Which is really, you know, really, I don't know, it's kind of genius if you think of it in that way. Hmm. So, I don't know, I That's really like That's pretty good. That. I, I also love that, isn't it? Like, Frank has always been one of those names that just, it seems like, you know, that guy was born, like, you're born to be an uncle because Uncle Frank just sounds like... Oh, it's perfect. You know, it's just awesome. Yeah. So Well, and it can be like, oh, gleeful, happy Uncle Frank. Or like... Uncle Frank. Whole Uncle Frank. Like, mm-hmm. it can really go both ways. And I just love like how cranky Uncle Frank is constantly. And oh, it does yeah. make sense to like, you know, yeah, don't worry about it, guys. I'll, I'll pick up the tab. Okay. I love this one. And it's not just because he's got that long coat in the airport, but Kevin's dad, Mm -hmm. the theory is that Kevin's dad is a mobster. Oh, right. Yeah. So one of the reasons why, of course, is this like, they never really talk about what he does. Now, a lot of movies do this, you know, where it's like, who cares if, you know, I'm going to go down to, it's kind of like, oh gosh, what's the movie? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It, but isn't there like a third Glenn? I don't know. Glenn Livett? No, no, no. Any Glenn. That's a that's a swingers uh, reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, basically, they just they just kind of like sort of just breeze through what it is that that he does. He's got this huge mansion, basically. All mm-hmm. these kids. He's taking his entire family and extended yeah. family to Paris yeah. or France. And paying for everybody to do it, right? I yeah. mean, even back in the early 90s, late 80s, that is 
that was an expense, you know, to get yeah, all those tickets, to put up everybody at the hotel. All this, they're, they're living in this high-class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, he's paying for a million pizzas. Uh, oh. One of the things that he says to the cop, who, you know, of course, is Joe Pesci, uh, when he's there, the line he says is like, am I under arrest? Yeah. Um, which, you know, the internet kind of points out that's kind of a weird reaction to have. But, you know, also... It's an 80s dad. There's yeah. always that humor that's kind of like, what, yeah, are we gonna, what am I, under arrest or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But uh, yeah, anyways, it's 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 kind of an interesting uh, interesting theory. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I've seen before, and I don't, I don't know how you would find it today, but I've seen like a breakdown on social media of like how much that would actually be. And it's like, it's something like $60,000 to like, mm. to take your whole family. And, and I think this was like back in... Like the nineties. Oh wow. Yeah. So like it is pretty interesting. Um I don't know. I, I like that one too. That's I think that's pretty cool. You got uh, another one, pal. <laughs> uh so kind of going along that same sort of line of thinking, there's this other theory that Kevin's father, not only is he a mob boss, but he's also a father that hates his child. Mm. And that's basically this idea that like uh, you know, he has no relationship with his son. And I guess, like, Kevin, like, you know, all they just don't really have, like, a relationship. And I guess because of the rare interactions between the two in the movies, you know, all the movies of the series, they all begin with, like, the dad scolding his son, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. You know, and so, I don't know. I, but it's also pretty typical in my house. Yeah. A, I won't say just daily basis, but like, Hourly. hey, man, ever, ever try to get your kids to school on time? Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Monday through Friday, we're in an argument about something. I've never seen anybody in my life that can lollygag like my kids when it's time to get oh. out the door. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll do you one even better. I think the most amazing thing to me is... And now I'm in the mob? <laughs> no. When I go pick up my daughter at school uh, or, or from the bus stop every day, how was your day? What did you do today? Uh, I don't oh, know. Oh, good God. Yeah. But then the moment it's time for bed, boy, it's like, did you know that Emerson did this? Dad, mm-hmm. dad, dad, what about this? When, mm-hmm. Where are we going to the Santa shop? When are mm-hmm. we? It's like, what, what, yeah. is, what is that? Why does that happen? Yeah, man. I don't know. I guess their minds are just like, I mean, you know, just keyed keyed up and stuff. It's uh, it's wild. So I'm not a big. I'm not. That's not my favorite theory. If I'm mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. kind of seems weak. Internet. But here's one that I it love, and you're gonna really you're gonna realize why. I think you might have brought this up actually when we kind of were talking about Christmas movie at some point. I'm sure I did. Old man Marley. I love. If you don't know one. who that is by name. Because you're not crazy like us and watch this every year. The he's South the guy. With the, he's the snow. Yeah, he's the shovel snow shoveler slayer. guy, right? Yeah. He the the theory is that he, old man Marley is actually Kevin from the future. Mm-hmm. So think about it. He saves Kevin when he was about to get presumably killed by Harry and Marv. Yeah, and I said Merv earlier, but and I'm gonna kind of splice it, and you went with it. So I'm I gonna went with it. it. Yeah. I'm gonna say sometimes, folks. Just as a reminder, if I would have had my magic mind, I'm just kidding, dude. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, actually pretty funny. But he, so he saves him 
from being killed, he helps in the church scene that you talked mm-hmm. about, which is a super touching scene. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. He kind of helps him kind of come to terms with his family and all this. And then... He um, gives him like perspective of like, like how important family is that I think, yeah. I think without that, you know, you wouldn't have that emotional payoff. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, the theory is that he is Kevin from the future who's coming back to prevent Kevin from developing this gap between his family and to save himself from the from the disadvantage of losing family just like he had on his quote unquote timeline. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think I think that that may be my favorite one. And it is interesting because like one of the things that I I I always felt like this feel, you know, there there are like a few things about this this movie and and the second one that you you mm-hmm. have to suspend your, your disbelief, you know, mm-hmm. um, like okay, you're telling me they forgot the kid at home, like you know, two times in a row, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just like little things like that, which I'm fine with, sort of going along with. But it was always interesting to me that the old man just like like bust into the house. Like, how did he know any of that was like? Yeah. So the thing, the the what about what I've always taken from it is he because he doesn't have a great relationship with his own family, mm-hmm. and he's just outside. He feels his time working, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I think you can relate to this, but people listening, when you are bored or whatever, and you don't have a whole lot to do, mm-hmm. that's when like any kind of like if you are feeling bad about yourself, you're just feeling bad in general, you're not happy, that's when those thoughts are going to really come crashing in. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of keeping himself busy, he's shoveling snow. Right, yeah. And a consequence of that, of that is that he gets to kind of, you know, see the neighborhood from, from mm. a distance, you know. And so he's observing things quietly. And I think he realizes, okay, this kid... He might need some help, and then he sees the robbers kind of like trying to sneak in and stuff, and so yeah. then he, he kind of comes in and, and saves the day. Because it's in like the the other neighbor's house, right? Oh boy, don't ask me questions like that, man. I, th- I think that's the deal. It's like the other, like an old lady's house, like next to them or whatever. Hmm. Because that's the reason it was like flooded already. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, I literally just watched this and I don't remember already. My favorite one is, and it boy, it gets dark, but I think my favorite sort of conspiracy fan theory is that Kevin is actually a ghost. Now, I won't say that's my favorite, but it is a good one. I mean, it goes along with this show real well. Mm. So you think about it. Kevin is dead. Um, He Long long live Kevin. Long live R.I.P. Kevin. And... He's sort of exacting his like vengeance on the family. He's putting toy cars on another path, and you know all He's these a poltergeist. Like, I mean, literally, he would be like a poltergeist. Mm. And they, it's actually from an article on the Daily Beast that says nobody actually thought Kevin would join them on the trip to Paris because he's a spirit who is tethered to the house. Whoa! I think that is so cool. Also. Mm-hmm. You know, you find, like, a lot of the members of his family, like, call him, you know, uh, a disease. <laughs> disease. He's a troublemaking kid, uh, or troublemaking child out of 15. Kate also seems very perplexed when Gus brings up that he left his child in a funeral parlor for a whole day. 
Mm. Which that's a funny part. Signaling that maybe her son is also in a grave. Man. Which is real dark, but it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's a cool twist. I, I prefer the Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for it sure. is. But yes, yeah. it is a cool twist. There was another one where it's like, oh, I think Kevin is this, whatever it's, what is it, Sawhorse Killer? What is it? Jigsaw Killer. Oh, from Saw or whatever. Uh, yeah. I don't, yeah, you know yeah. that one's not that great. Well, well there's also another one too that like that like Kevin's family is like a cult or something. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, not interested. Yeah, Although yeah. I, I mean, a lot a of them are like documentaries recently about some cults, and it is interesting. Oh, but is that the new one? The mother? It, yes, something? dude. Jeez Louise, man. Is we'll pretty, get into that some other time. Oh good. my gosh, dude. I, 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 we weren't even talking about it right now. But yeah, I don't know if you saw this one, and I can't believe. That this isn't your favorite. Okay. This one, it says, Home Alone proves that Elvis Presley didn't die in 1977. What? I can't believe you didn't know this one. This is so exciting to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler, you yeah, huge man. Elvis Presley fan. And also, I got him. Okay. Wow. So, it shows this clip where basically... Uh, there's an actor or an extra, we'll say, that's mm-hmm. standing behind Catherine O'Hara, who plays Kevin's mom, by the way. Oh. Love her, okay? He's standing behind her in the film. I've seen this. It's over her left shoulder. And when you freeze the frame, dude, yep. he's dressed in this like tan jacket, black turtleneck, yep. dark beard, and something about like the mannerisms and comments that Chris Columbus made about the theory on the DVD commentary that, you know... It could be actually Elvis Presley. And so when you see this still shot, it's like, man, I don't know. Because they kind of put it up against, you know, Elvis in some movie where he had a beard and then Mm -hmm. this. And it's like, man, it. Wow. I mean, it looks pretty close, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that. I I think I saw. Making it up. No, no, no. I I think I've seen like on social media or whatever, like (laughs) like the still shot. And I, I didn't realize that like Chris Columbus, like, uh, like commented on that though. That's yeah. That's, that's what I'm cool. saying, dude. If there's anything we've learned today, it's that we need to get the DVDs. I'm sure I actually have them on DVD somewhere, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too somewhere. Uh, speaking, this is a perfect piggyback. I have something I want to talk about today, and that is uh, Magic Mind. I'm kidding. <laughs> is uh, is there's a new Mandela effect? What that is blowing everybody away, including me, to the point of, like, making me physically angry. So It probably won't work on me, but go ahead. Okay, so I used to work in a grocery store just out of high school. Me too. Um, actually, no, I'm still in high school. I was still in high school as well. Go ahead. And if, if you know anything about working retail over the holidays, um, it, it's the reason that I hate the Paul McCartney Christmas song. Because it came on every hour on the hour, and that's a mm-hmm. lot of hours. That is, yeah. Anyway, this song was a song that I've heard a million times, and I've heard it by Elvis Presley, like you just spoke a little, little by Elvis Presley, which you just spoke about. Uh, I've heard it by Frank Sinatra. I've heard it by Dean Martin. And it's one of my favorite Christmas songs, and that is I'll Be Home for Christmas. So, here, finish this line. I'll be home for Christmas. You can. I have no idea. 
blank on me. Uh, you can you can count on me. I, I mean, I'm just filling in the blanks. I promise you, I don't yes. know. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow. Yeah, that's nowhere uh, to be found anymore. It's now you can plan on me, which Man. is so wrong. Well. I, like I said before, full disclosure, I don't remember those lyrics. God, you were the worst. I, that's not my favorite. No, well, I, it's just not my favorite Christmas song. And so, you know, I don't really know the lyrics. You're that like my said, favorite Christmas song is an Indonesian one called Bunga No, Bunga my favorite Christmas song is um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Okay, well. My, my, my point is, it doesn't even sound lyrically correct is all I'm saying. Like, you can not. plant on me. Yes, not e not even sort of correct. So all you folks out there who are fans of this song, you know, it gets you in that like nostalgic sort of setting, the mood. Uh, you're going to be real pissed off about 35 <laughs> seconds in because it's going to say plan instead of count now. That's weird. It is weird. But I think that this was a pretty good Christmas episode. Yeah. I'm in the spirit. I hope this has helped our listeners get in the spirit a little more. Uh, mm -hmm. If you haven't watched Home Alone yet, go watch it tonight. Yeah, I hope we got you in the mood for it. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here and, for, to get you in the mood. Well, exactly. What I was going to say is before before we go and before we completely wrap up, I just want to say thank you to all you that listen to our show, new and everybody that's been with us uh, from the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. this past year has been incredible for our show. We've met new people and had an opportunity to interact with new people. And, you know, like we say week after week, we started this show so that we could have a chance, Tyler and I, to hang out together. You know, uh, I mean, I think this was, this is kind of a, this is, our show is a pandemic baby, really. Mm -hmm. You know, we used it as a means to get back into the swing of things in terms of being able to just like talk about the cool stuff that we love, man, together. Because, you know, life gets busy. And if you have magic mind, I'm kidding, dude. Life gets, <laughs> life gets busy. And this is a great way to just almost have like a forced reason to, to hang out and talk about just like crazy oh, yeah. stuff. Hey, you know, it's like, hey, I got to watch this movie. Hey, Oh, what's that? Your my wife doesn't want to watch Home Alone for the thousandth time, or yeah. Roadhouse, or something. And believe right. me, I use this excuse all the time, even though we've never done an episode on Roadhouse. Hey, I got to do it for the podcast. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. My wife will come in, and I'll just be watching the most random, you know, movie, and she's just like, "What? What?" It's just like this sheer disgust of like, <laughs> "What is this? Like, why, why are all those Santas nude?" Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. boy, that's a great example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, get out there and watch Rare Exports. <laughs> yeah. And then turn All it off listeners 10 minutes it. before the ending. Yeah, yeah shut up. My, my point is, man, I this is one of our favorite times of year because just like Home Alone, it's a time of being around the people that you love a lot. Um, mm -hmm. There's going to be crazy characters. There's going to be a Uncle Frank, or there's going to oh, yeah. be a, a a buzz, you know. The, and by the way, I can't believe I didn't talk about this yet. But there's an also real quick internet theory about the actor that played Buzz. Mm -hmm. 
growing up and then Freddie Freeman from the Braves, who now plays for the Dodgers, being mm-hmm. him in real life. <laughs> it's it's a dumb theory, but it, it's <laughs> hilarious. So anyway. Oh, I love that. This is that time of year where, yeah, sometimes it's going to get awkward and uncomfortable with your family. Oh, yeah. But if we could all just kind of like focus in, and I'm talking about even if you don't celebrate Christmas and what this in the same way that it means to like us in terms of celebrating, you know, Jesus being born and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, one of the things that I think that I just kind of wanted to say before we close is just like, look, you take this time and and spend it with people that, that you care about. You know, because mm-hmm. that's really one of the the best things about it. Watching these old movies together, spending time making memories and just being rad, honestly. That's true, man. I mean, we only have, uh, you know, a short time with the people that we love. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. use that time wisely. And if you want to be productive when you do it, you got to get a <laughs> bottle of Magic Mind. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, this this is this is like this has been a gift for Magic Mind, <laughs> just for this joke alone. Oh, anyway, if you would like to find us, head on over to our Magicmind.co. Instagram, <laughs> Magicmind.co. Um, head on over to our Instagram. Drop us a comment. Shoot us a DM. Tell us about your favorite Christmas movie or your own personal paranormal encounter. If it's more long form, shoot it to thatwouldberadpod.gmail.com or even better, head on over to our website, thatwouldberadpodcast.com where you can find a podcatcher, listen to the show, give us a five-star review, all those things. But even better, you can tell that story or give that account or, you know, tell us your favorite Christmas movie in your own voice through like a, I guess what you call it, like a voice memo almost. Yeah, it's like a voicemail, really. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, like a voicemail on the site, which is super easy. Yeah, super cool. Enjoy those folks around you. Draw them close this year. You know, when you're nestling by the fire and you're playing the show on the loudspeakers, just think of like, what could I do to uh, sort of give back to my favorite two hosts from That Would Be Rad? And that would be Mm -hmm. heading on over to... (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Magic Magic Mind. Oh, boy. Dude, this is terrible. I'm just kidding. We're like doing the the, the equivalent of like (laughs) Wayne's World when they're just like showing the Doritos bag. You're right. They are little, yellow, different. Oh, God. Five-star reviews like this recent one says, great podcast. Hey, guys, I just wanted to say how much I love your podcast. I discovered it a few months ago and really love what you're doing. Keep it up by uh, Jason from Oregon. Thank you very much, Jason. But yes, drop us a five-star review. Let us know why you love our show. It means the world to us. Yes, absolutely. We will be on our Christmas break. We'll be getting off our Christmas break after this episode, and we'll see you guys again in January. So Mm -hmm. pull those loved ones close. Nestle up by the fireplace. Stare at that Christmas tree. Watch an old movie. And while you're doing it, I'm sure you're going to have your phone out. And while you're on your phone... Uh, Go, come on. I'm not going to do the magic mind thing. While you're on your phone, uh, give us another five-star review. You know, text a friend about the show and uh, just keep spreading the word. Keep singing singing the praises of That Would Be Rad. It means the world to us. We're super grateful for you guys. Uh, I guess that's about it. 
Anything else, Woody? Well, actually, man, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew, even though we're going on our holiday break, we are going to be uh, including some episodes in between, you know, before the start of season four in January. And those episodes are brought to you by magicmind.com <laughs> slash brad20. We're going to get dropped immediately. Oh, <laughs> Checks in the mail. Oh, All right, God. pal. You got anything else? Of it. <laughs> Beyond what you just said. I think that's about it, man. Hey, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful that we have an outlet to talk about the dumb stuff that our wives hate. <laughs> and it just means a lot to me. And so... Same. With that, everyone, have a Merry Christmas, have a Happy Holidays, and we'll see you next year. We love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
granted. Folks, this is what, ha- like, if I could do, like, a compare, a compare and contrast. I can make up <laughs> this is your mind without magic mind. Yeah, this now is your we're brain. Talking. Okay. Anyway. Although, I mean, I have a tendency, I can, like, get down. Like, you know, I'm... Get like, down with your bad self. <laughs> get down. Shh. 